Hi, I'm John Stevens. This is Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. This is Pod Have Mercy. Today we're going to talk with our good friend, Jerry Weber. Yes. Who was on staff here for at Chapelwood for 16, 17 years. Started our Center for Christian Spirituality yeah, yeah. and our contemplative community. Um, Baptist preacher who became a contemplative. Yeah. That's and, a good journey for him. <laughs> and just and a cool us. dude. Yeah. Great guy. Great guy. But what I love about what we can do with him today is just, let's just, we all, we know him well. And yeah. I thought we would just, you know, we've been doing a lot of stuff around what we're dealing with, but I just want, I want us to learn and grow in this season, mm-hmm. but I also want us to have some fun. Yeah. You know, I hope that we can find that. Yeah. Well, so one of the things we've been doing the last couple of weeks and you've been following along is talking about just all, all sorts of things related Corona, all the Rona <laughs> stuff and whether it's um, from the medical people or spiritual care or other stuff. And one of the things Jerry wanted to invite you to come today, because first off, all three of us know each other pretty well. And I thought we just, we'd talk about ways we can like spiritually move through this and maybe other practical tips. I thought we'd just have fun. Because, you know, everybody needs fun. Yes. I'm good for fun. I, I have found myself now, I am watching old kung fu movies. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yeah. If you, you really, I mean, it, there's, and there's something really different about old kung, kung fu movies. We need to alter your, uh, your voice uh, stuff on Sunday. For for uh, so for that my mouth doesn't so match that it looks my like words. an old kung fu. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. Would be awesome. <laughs> Jeff Jeff could do that for you. I bet he could. Yeah, just delay yeah. the the audio and the video together a little bit. That would be great. Well, but but one of the things about the the old kung fu movies, like for example, the thirty sixth chamber of Shaolin. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So this guy, he goes because he wants to learn kung fu, and he has to start in the first chamber, and it doesn't have anything to do with fighting. He has to just learn like how to keep balance across these logs floating on the thing to get to the yeah. to Mr. the chow Miyagi. tent to the dinner, right? Yeah. And so he's all mad because he wants to be doing kung fu, but every one of these early chambers are all just about carrying water or ringing a bell and all this. And it made me think about, cause all of it of course is like fundamental stuff to strengthen your body and your balance and all this. So you can then yeah. get ready. And I thought about, you know, in this season is sort of stripping away and we're, we, we have grief and we have anger and we have frustration and it's like, it really reveals how well we've taken care of the, the basics of our self care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Sort of peels away all that. That's right. That's the Mr. Miyagi effect, right? All these kind of things that you don't know you're going to need until you come into the place where you need them. Right. Yeah. It's like my core muscles. (laughs) They don't exist. (laughs) Right. They really come in handy from time to time. (laughs) They would be helpful. (laughs) If you, if you maintain those things and keep those things. And I thought, you know, what are the, what are the things that we need to just kind of return to the core? Yeah. Spiritual core, spiritual core and mental and physical and, you know, because now this thing is ramping up. It's not only that, but the decisions of, to, of going back to work. And you're going to have some yeah. people don't want to go back out right now. They're not ready. They think it's too early. But then, of course, in Houston, we've got the oil 
prices that are dropping. Right. And so a lot of people's personal financial situation is <clears throat> threatened. Right. And a lot of the conversations that I've been on, you know, there's no, as you know, you guys know this, there's no advanced like advice that unlocks some secret uh, gnosis or something. Right. It's really, you just get back to start talking about what really matters, what's important, what are the fundamentals. I was talking with a guy recently and he was just saying, there's so many things that I fundamentally believe in. And he said, I, I kind of let those go. I let, I I let them, I lost sight of some of the basic fundamental things and operated outside of those, um, those principles. And it led them to some places and spaces that were not Mm -hmm. good and healthy. That's great. So what, what, what are you, I mean, outside of binge watching the Americans, (laughs) what are you doing during this season to keep yourself sane? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, check in with myself regularly uh, and ask some kind of core questions about uh, uh, what does it mean to be me today? What am I feeling today? Uh, What does it mean to be Jerry in the particular context I'm in? And uh, to not try to fix anybody else, not try to, uh, Mm. you know, work somebody else's side of the street, but do my own work. you know, I get a lot of silence and a lot of solitude, which I like that. You guys know me. I like that. I'm drawn to that. So, uh, so this has given me permission to do what I'd like to do anyway. Uh, so I read a lot. I write a lot. I, uh, I'm, I'm meditating more, uh, centering prayer is usually what I do. Um, spending time in scripture, uh, digging around, finding things. I, I, I'm also, uh, reading and writing more poetry now than, than usual, just to keep that part of my brain alive. And, uh, I find that I I journal a lot, but, uh, my poetry, when I write poetry, that's where kind of the real stuff comes out and gets, gets to the page. So, um, you know, I think for me, and, and I, I think I say this to other people from time to time, uh, I think spiritual practices are things that we engage in for a season and we kind of take our temperature and say, what season am I in? What does this feel like to me? And I'm aware that during the coronavirus, the season is not the same for everyone. Mm-hmm. There, there are some people who are feeling desolate and kind of in a winter time. And there are some people who are feeling overwhelmed, like it's summertime and the heat's, the heat's on and I, you know, it won't mm-hmm. stop. And so everybody's at a different place. And I, so for me, that analogy helps me uh, to try to find spiritual practices that are appropriate to the season that I'm in at that particular moment. And that may not, you know, translate to John or to Matt or to anybody else, but it's, uh, but it's what I do. And then I come back and I revisit that after a while and say, okay, how's this working? And are there some of these spiritual practices that I've engaged in that, you know, I, I, went into them with good intentions, but they're just not getting it done. I'm not, you know, I'm still as anxious and fearful and scared as I ever was. So maybe I just need to let that one go and uh, try something else. So for me, a part of that is always trial and error. Yeah. You know, there, there's no guarantee that anything's going to be the, uh, the one thing that, that works, so to speak at any given moment in time, mm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
I think if I check in with myself every day, there's a fine line between checking in with yourself every day and schizophrenia. <laughs> Tell us more about that, John. <laughs> there's a uh, say more. There was a there was a, a a mom told me recently. If you see me talking to myself, I'm just having a parent teacher conference. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know. I you you've been talking a lot. You and I have been. Um, doing a lot with the notes on a weekly basis and things. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm fascinated by some of the anchoring activities that, that you present that maybe, it's, you know, we're all in a different place, but you've, you're doing a lot. It seems like there's a lot of creativity in some of the stuff that you talk about, like making a collage or, or right. poetry, poetry or writing a song or things. And I guess my brain the way I work is, I guess there's some things I'm creative about, but especially with spiritual practices, I've, I guess maybe I'm not creative enough. But what do you, what do you find that, you know, engaging that creative aspect, and that seems to be important for you lately. And how does that connect to your spirituality for people that maybe, like someone like me, who's just, you know, a collage. I got plenty of time to make a collage. But that's not but your I first go-to practice. Do that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's, yeah. And what, uh, what is a collage? Yeah. He's no, just, I know what a collage is. I made him when I was in yeah. elementary school. He, it's, that's as likely as him going to do Build-A-Bear or something, right? That's, that's, not, yeah, that's right. probably not going to happen. Uh, nor me. <laughs> well, Build-A-Bear may, may be good. It may be a good uh, place to start. <laughs> I find for me that that fear and anxiety kind of live in that other more rational part of my brain, huh. the part that wants to manage and control. And then when I feel out of control, uh, fear and anxiety come. I get scared about things, frightened about what the future is. And that if I can move into that more creative part of myself, uh, that seems to be more where my soul lives, hmm. where spirit moves. And so uh, if I can if I can begin to tap into that in some simple ways, in some creative ways, then uh, it's almost for me as if I'm learning a different vocabulary. Wow. And so when I'm engaged in some kind of creative exercise, like doing a collage or a, uh, writing a haiku, just a five syllable, seven syllable, five syllables, anybody can do that. Uh, so those things begin to move me into a, a more soulful place uh, that allows me to discover a vocabulary for what's going on that doesn't just live in my head. It lives down in this deeper part of me, hmm. in my heart or my soul or however you want to envision that. So uh, so I, I have to intentionally get to that place. You guys both know me really well, and, and I haven't always <clears throat> been able to do that. I, You know, it's only been in the last 18, 20 years that I began to make some movement in that way, but still my default is to live in my head. Mm, yeah. So I have to, you know, I, I have to be intentional about reading poetry, writing poetry, writing a haiku, uh, five syllables, seven syllable, five syllables, or thumbing through a magazine and finding images in a magazine that represents what it feels like to be Jerry today. So, uh, so for me, you know, I'll, I'll often ask that question of myself out loud because all I, during the day, I'm talking to my dog, you know, my dog is my coworker and, uh, I'm, I'm one of those memes now, <laughs> uh, but I, I'll, I'll literally say just so I can hear myself articulate that, what does it feel like to be Jerry today? 
and and then to begin to explore that in words, I may begin with words, but then I may go uh, get a magazine, a nature magazine or a golf magazine or some magazine, a travel magazine, an art magazine, something that has a lot of images in it, and then just thumb through it. And whenever I find an image, notice an image that stirs me, and I don't even have to know why it stirs me, I rip that page out. And then I keep thumbing through and I get two or three or four of those images. And then I begin to sit with them and say, what does this image say about the state of my soul today? What I'm feeling, what it feels like to be Jerry today. And, and so that, you know, that's a kind of practice that some people would say is kind of goofy, but, but it puts you in touch with a different mm. part of your being mm. and it gives you a different way to process that. That's, that's kind of a nonverbal way. It's tapping into a language, uh, a vocabulary that's more heart, more soul, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, go ahead. No, it, it, that makes a lot of sense. It feels like that um, that <clears throat> the um, that anxiety or fear um, or just the desire to to be in control and whatever constriction happens around that really covers that space up and is antithetical to that space and so it needs practices that move under the radar of that or at least confront that in a way that can pass through it um, um, it sounds like is that true yeah yeah I think so I mean anytime I would ever ask a group and and you guys have probably done the same things in Bible studies or sermons or or small yeah. groups where you have interaction, you ask people uh, where is a place that uh, brings life to you that when you're in that space you just feel life and most all of those uh, responses through the years have always been places in the natural world, right places in the created world on a mountaintop somewhere at the beach somewhere. At, well, what is it? You know that that's that is those are not verbal places. Those places are filled with images and filled with symbols and filled with things that are living apart from myself. And so, uh, so yeah, to to be a fearful person, Matt, or an anxious person, but to be able to put myself in a place where I don't have to depend on, uh, you know, my mental resources to explain this or to define it, to be in that place. Uh, can be life-giving. Right. And so that's the same kind of thing that we're doing when we play, when we play around with these images. We're uh, getting out of our controlling, the controlling part of our brain, and we're getting into this part of our brain that's uh, that's more in tune with, uh, with creativity, with huh. images. And, and I found through the years that most people who, who are making whatever you'd uh, define as progress in the spiritual life are people who are growing in creativity. Yeah. It seems like some some of the things that John's been talking about with anchor points and some of the the sermons that uh, that he's been preaching and then that um, some of the studies that I've been books I've been reading and some of the smaller groups I've been operating within has really been at at some core talking about the reimagining our social imagination. You know how mm. do we and it seems like the prophets do that the Psalms do that yeah. Jesus comes along and talks about the kingdom as a different way of imagining the world, right? right? And so there's the world as we know it that is all about resources and constriction and who's on top wins and all these ways. And so, uh, and we're seeing it play out in our culture. And then this other dynamic of spirit that comes along and says, let me show you a more excellent way. Um, but right. that way seems to be hidden. That way seems to be um, in some ways um, inaccessible if we're continuing to do the, you know, the same things over and over again. Sure. Yeah. 
consider the lilies of the field, consider the birds of the air, you know, so Jesus is always, it, Jesus is rarely pointing us to something to believe. Huh. Yeah. He's, he's usually pointing us to something to consider or, uh, or something to practice a way of being in the world. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't overly analytical. Yeah. He wasn't really no. heady intellectual. Uh, what do you call it? You know, systematic theology. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, hey, look over there. See that guy throwing yeah. seed in the field? Yeah. Let me tell you yeah, what that's right. like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you what I think of when I see that. Well, you know, one of the things. And, and, you know, what we say when we hear that is, oh, yeah, well, teach me how to throw seed like that. Well, you missed the point. You know, the point <laughs> is the field and the point is the seed goes everywhere. Right. And you've got all these beautiful images that the seed falls in these four different places. But, but God is this extravagant, generous God who throws it everywhere. God doesn't care if it's good soil or not. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Goes in the cracks. So we, we get, <laughs> you know, all tied in knots over how do I throw the seed the right way? What do I believe about the seed? Yeah, the underhanded. I kind of like the underhanded the under- technique. Yeah. The side, the side, <laughs> the side shuffle, the casting. Yeah, <laughs> that's because that's the right way of doing it. It's all about the right that way of the throwing right that way of doing it. Yeah. Are you watching a lot of news? Uh, I am. Well, not a lot. I, I watch uh, half an hour of local news and half an hour of uh, uh, national news in the evening, and I do some just quick reading in the morning. I was doing a lot more reading, but now it's, it feels like the same things over and over again. So I'll scroll through the headlines and maybe read, you know, for 15 or 20 minutes. But it's one of the things that I've tried to be real diligent about was not getting consumed in that. Well, that's what I was going to ask is like, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on being too overly consumed? And then I wanted to ask you about your social media usage. Oh, good. Well, that won't take long. <laughs> that won't take long. I already know the answer to that question. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry's like, is it, it my my space face? What is it called? <laughs> my space book. My space just about the book. time I I feel like I've got courage to jump into social media, then something happens, you know, uh, uh, something in my family or something. Somebody will say something, and I just I, it, it just bleeds the courage out of me. Uh, it's a good thing. At some point I need to stay away. I miss out on a whole lot of grandchildren pictures because I'm, I'm not on it, but you can do, there's a new thing that our, um, our children's ministry is doing this thing called Marco Polo. Oh really? Yeah. And it's look, look for it. Talk to your kids about it. It's an, it's an, like an app where you send each other videos, but it's just you and the kids. So it's almost oh, okay. like a text message, yeah. but you're, you're shooting a little video of okay. you saying something to them and then they send you one back and then you send them one. So it's like okay. having a, like a, a text thread, except you're doing it on video. Isn't that the way it works? Okay. Marco yeah. Polo. That's great. Marco Polo. Yeah. Yeah. Look at me talking like I know about Look technology. At <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> Are you getting exercise? I, um, I'm walking, uh, walking a couple of miles three or four times a week, but that's about usual. That's we've got, uh, we have to drive to walking space. Yeah, there are a lot of nice outdoor places. I, I think that's a that's a really helpful thing for me and for people too is yeah to get outside to connect with the natural world that way. Mm. That seems to be very healing. I, I've already mentioned that. You know, people talk about that as a as a life giving practice to be out at a beach or in a mountain somewhere and uh, to be a part of that. You know, I, when I do that, I realize and and I realize that pretty immediately and and. Uh, 
when did I move here? 2018, uh, two years ago, that all the daily stuff that I was doing work-wise and life-wise, it seemed really important that there was a whole part of the created world here that, that, or, or created world anywhere that didn't really care how stressed I was every day. Hmm. And I think I, I heard John O'Donohue say that years yeah. ago yeah. and it didn't make any sense to me because I was kind of in that sort of anxiety production, you know, get it done sort of thing. And I realized pretty quickly that, you know, the, the raccoons that come to my patio and the deer that run across my yard and the birds that feed out back and, and the trees that move with the seasons, they don't, they don't care about my stress. And right now they don't care about the coronavirus. The whole, I think it was Bob Kidd that said a couple of weeks ago, you know, uh, he pointed out how nature is healing itself because mm, yeah. there are no emission, not as much emission being, yeah. you know, thrown out into the atmosphere. And, uh, you know, in a sense, the natural world just continues on. So how, how can we be a part of that? How can we immerse ourselves in that? So I, I think getting outside is, is really important. Yeah. The raccoons are like, look, we got rabies. We're going to let you handle the <laughs> you corona. Get corona. You, you, you guys on two legs, you so, get the coronavirus. So two weeks ago we're in bed. It's the middle of the night and I hear this ruckus on the patio. And so I, I sneak to the to the slider and look outside and it's this huge raccoon just looking me eyeball to eyeball. <laughs> it's a big raccoon. Patty. Have, you, have you seen the commercial where the raccoons are in the trash? Oh, that's And he's great. looking at it and he goes, hey, try this. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, you've got to try this. It's horrible. Dog, and they dog, go, dog, 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 dog. No, no. <laughs> I was outside uh, two or three days ago and a fox ran across the yard. Wow. Really? Pretty cool, yeah. It's a that's been an amazing thing in Houston is watching like some of the as the pollution kind of descends this, to watch like the sky turn like yesterday the sky was the bluest as I've seen it in um, in years in Houston and watching some of the mm -hmm. the uh, the birds and those things are just it's been really amazing to watch like the natural yeah. order repair itself and I think you're I think you're right when Jesus starts talking about using all those kind of imagery. You know, even the prophets using the imagery of, of roadways and the, you know, water in the desert, you know, that there's a sense in which we di get disconnected um, of those things and that a lot of our spiritual life repairs us through those things. Hmm. Yeah, there's outside, we sit in the backyard a lot. The weather's been really nice. Yeah. And so we sit out in the backyard almost every night and you look up in the sky and you've got the little app because I don't know where the star is. Yeah, yeah, you can hold yeah, it yeah. up and it tells you what the constellations and what the planets. Oh, cool. And you yeah. can see so many more stars. Yeah. And at night, I notice when you sit out in the back in Houston, there's always planes going over yeah. all yeah. the time. There's no planes. Yeah. It's just the sky. And usually in the city, because of the lights and the smog, you don't see. We saw last night Orion's belt and we saw Betelgeuse and huh. Sirius and Venus and the mm. moon. And it was like, I don't remember seeing that many. Does, does that kind of get to what you were saying earlier, John, about your friend that you talked to that said, yeah, I've been involved. I just got busy and I got involved in a way of being that wasn't true to myself. And this has given me a chance um, to, in some ways, Sabbath. In some ways, to to step back and to say, "Oh, I don't want to be that person," or these are activities that are not supportive of the person that God's calling me to be, and that supports my deepest humanity. You know, I, I think that that this can be that kind of event for us if we let it. 
Yeah, no doubt. I do think that it's, you know, it's hard. It's hard because there are so many people who are really hurting and struggling uh, because they, they need to be at work or they, you know, yeah. rent or, or food or, yeah. uh, and it's, so it's hard when you're in a more privileged position, you can take the time to slow down and notice things that you've gotten out of balance in your life. And, you know, Barbara Brown Taylor talks about that when we don't actively practice Sabbath, our illness becomes our induced Sabbath. And so for most of us, that's that one time of the year we get the flu and we can't go to work. (laughs) Yeah. And so that becomes our Sabbath. Well, now the entire, I say the entire world, everything is sort of turned off for a while. And I don't know that we've ever seen anything quite like that, but it forces you and it makes some of us feel uncomfortable if we're the kinds of people that don't like to stop or to rest or to dig deeper. You know, that's why I, I... it didn't take very long. People were real excited. If you were in a very privileged position, you were real excited about this for the first two weeks, week or two. Yes. And then you started going like absolutely bonkers crazy because you had to right. get out of the house and go right. somewhere and do something. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's just the way we're wired. Absolutely. I said this before is that, you know, we, we dig through these layers and then when we hit a raw spot, we got way yep. too many distractions that we can yes. consume ourselves right. with yes. and never have to do with, deal with deeper levels. Yeah. And I think this thing is forcing everybody. So whether you're in a vulnerable position or place in society, it's revealing things that yes. are very difficult. And if you're in a privileged pay place, it's yes. revealing yes. things yes. that are very deep and, and raw for all of us, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's why, that's why I think the spiritual practices have to be, have to be fluid and, and, you have to find the one that works for you and whatever, whatever your season is, whatever your, your, your place in life, your time of life, that's going to be different for a young family, a young man or young woman than it is for someone in middle age or someone uh, at my age. Uh, you just have to find what works for you, for your season of life, mm-hmm. for the season that you find yourself in at this moment. But I think, you know, like you've said, John, this is a, this is a time that we're invited to dig down into some of that and to, uh, to explore what's there. And, you know, in ordinary life, we can easily be distracted and run away. And, and I've, I always said that one of the easiest places to hide from God was in the church. Yeah. You know, you can Amen. go to church and sit in a pew and sing the songs and, and listen to good sermons and all that and feel like you're really growing deep. And that's a, a really small part of what, uh, of this whole picture of discipleship, what it means to use language that you're, you're using in sermons to orbit around God. Uh, you know, how do I orient myself so that I'm part of this gravitational pull where God's the center and not me or, Mm. or not my world. And, uh, so, you know, we're at, we're at a time now when some of those distractions have been taken away, Mm. uh, the places that I can run to. And, and that's really the nature of what it means to fast in, in the Christian sense. You know, the classical discipline of fasting is removing some practice that I normally engage in, whether it's it's food or conversation or sleep or whatever. They're all all the spiritual classical spiritual disciplines are different forms of fasting. Yeah. And so I remove those so that I can intentionally put myself in that place where I can't run to those things in order to kind of uh, medicate myself, so to speak. That's a really interesting insight that this is almost like a forced fast 
mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a cultural force fast to say that, that mm-hmm. that's revealing kind of these, uh, the substructure of our own kind of self-preservation in a sense. Yeah. That's, I hadn't thought of it that way, Jerry. I, I yeah. think the one, th- the, the thing I, I'm hearing today that comes out is about, it seems to be a lot of, of accessing some part of you that you're not typically accessing. Mm-hmm. You talk about creativity, and I think that I'm going to give that a try. My girls have been painting at home, uh, which they don't do all the time, but they're, it's just you're, they're trying to find things to do. They're doing school at home, and, and so we're doing a lot of cooking. One of the things that I used to cook a lot a long time ago, and you just get busy. You don't do that any, you know, anymore. So now we're cooking and we decided that uh, each one of us are going to take a night to be responsible for coming up with a menu and cooking dinner. So I've been watching a lot of these YouTube videos, Bon Appetit <laughs> test kitchen, and they like try to make uh, homemade, you know, Girl Scout cookies or all this kind of, I'm not doing any of that, but I just think it's interesting to yeah. access and try something new. So like one of my daughters bakes and she's trying new things outside the box to bake. And mm. the other one is trying to, to cook different things. And to me, it's like if we can access something we haven't accessed before. And one of the things that I've done with you, bef- you before when you were here is these silent day retreats. Mm where we would go and we'd engage in a time of centering prayer and then we would go out on our own. If, if someone was not really well-versed in centering prayer, but maybe they wanted to try something different, what would be your 101 sort of intro to taking some time to sort of steal away and maybe engage in something new and creative around prayer? Yeah, I would, I would think just uh, to, to start off small, if you're going to start centering prayer, some kind of meditation, uh, most teachers say start with 20 or 30 minutes or do 20 or 30 minute uh, sit. But I'd say start with five minutes or four minutes or seven minutes and, uh, uh, and take a word that has some energy for you. Take uh, love or peace or shalom or uh, God or Jesus and just use that as a word, almost as a, a, a kind of mantra to whisper to yourself to keep you centered. And that's what centering prayer is. It comes from an image that Thomas Merton used about uh, uh, anchoring in the center of God. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that word becomes your center and you, you just sit still and you, uh, and you repeat that word. You whisper that word to yourself. You just whisper it internally. And uh, if when thoughts come, when distractions come, you just let them go and you come back to this word and you let the word keep you centered. Uh, all of us have, uh, most of us have cell phones or mobile phones where we can set a timer so you don't have to watch the time. You can set it for five minutes or seven minutes uh, and you center. And during that time, you you're, you don't have to plan anything. Uh, the whole premise of that kind of meditation is that you're touching God at a level that's deeper than your thoughts or your, your, uh, your rational mind, even deeper than your feelings. And so you're kind of dropping anchor into the heart of God. And that word is what keeps you anchored, that word that you repeat. Uh, so that that's an anchoring practice. You do that, and then you come out of that. You might want to say the Lord's Prayer at the end of it, and then uh, pull out a journal 
and you might jot down a few things about how that experience was, how difficult it was, or how uh, how peaceful mm. it was. Uh, you can take out a magazine and find images that represent what that experience was like for you. Uh, but it, uh, you know, you can have your own little mini retreat where you are, uh, just in thirty minutes or an hour, uh, as a way of of dropping dropping anchor. How are you keeping up with your family? Are you all Zooming, FaceTiming, or are you just phone calls? Or? Uh, phone calls, FaceTime. Yeah. Uh, we're close enough to grandkids that we kind of see grandkids every once in a while. They're 15 minutes away. So uh, we see them. What do you, what do you, what do you think about uh, both of you? What do you think about this whole thing? People are saying, well, reach out to people maybe you haven't talked to in a long time, take advantage of. Hmm maybe extending relationships. Have y'all done any of that? Or have you heard that as something people have been encouraging? Yeah, I've heard that. Mm -hmm. I, I've, I've maybe reached out to one or two people that way, but not, uh, I haven't, maybe I should, but I, but I haven't. Well, I uh, didn't, I didn't introduce that to like induce guilt or shame <laughs> no, in your life. No, because my Jerry, own, how many my old friends did you talk to this well. week? Because uh, you're way behind. <laughs> No, one of my ongoing questions has been, God, what are you inviting me to do? Mm. How, what are you inviting? How are you inviting me to step into this? Yeah. And, and honestly, to this point, I haven't heard that as a response. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't feel guilty about it. Well, you're being true to what you're hearing. God has. So have right. you, have you done curbside at Waffle House yet? Uh, no, I'm sorry. Curbside. No, we've done curbside at a couple of other places, but not Waffle House. What was the guy that says, you know, it's really difficult when you think about Waffle House opening back up with social distancing. That means that they've never actually been in a Waffle House because they literally <laughs> cook breakfast in your lap at a Waffle House. They're, they're only as big as a double wide. So 25% right. capacity is just He's me like, and my wife. Yeah, me and the other <laughs> if cook. you go into Waffle House, I'm sorry, no one else can come in right now. We got this couple in the corner. I think some of the places around here have been really busy. We we tried yeah. to do takeout at one of our favorite places last week and called four times over 15 minutes and they never answered. And they really? had they had advertised that they were doing, you know, takeout Tuesday, takeout Tuesday and all this uh, and so That's good though. We gave up and went to Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic has the best crushed ice and tater tots. <laughs> and you don't have to get out of your car. Which is even better. Well, I know. Yeah. 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 I know all the the, the <laughs> boys and girls who are the, the car hops there by now. Oh, you do? Yeah. They, they're Sad not on say. roller skates. That's my life now. <laughs> wow. <Sad to> say. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is it? Some Another guy said, you know, he has, man, I said, I sure will be glad when this quarantine is over so I can go back to work, start earning some money to save up for a vacation so I can go somewhere, sit around and do nothing. Yeah, <laughs> and there's a part of me that's like, I'm looking at this and it's like, had these plans for the summer and we were going to take some time off. And it's kind of like, now you feel guilty. It's like, well, you can't really take any vacation this year now. As if been this has been quarantine. a vacation. <laughs> it hasn't been a vacation no. at all, but it's just yeah. funny because everybody's like, well, you hadn't been to work. So, yeah. And I just, this is compulsion. I've found some guys and, and girls as well, um, that just feel this compulsion. They have to go into the office every day, even though they can work from home. 
Have you experienced that with people? I've experienced that with myself. Oh. You know, I'm uh, sorry. I didn't mean to can no, no, make you no, feel bad. Well, John's just throwing guilt everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apparently that's my well, gift today. Shame. Shame. You, you. <laughs> but some of that, some of that is to, to social distance from three boys as well and to kind of get some space where mm. it's just quiet. So it doesn't feel as much compulsive about, you know, having to be at, at work as it is to, to, to make a dividing line between what's work and what's home sometimes, you know? It's worse, boys, Oh Lord. way worse, because I'm on a Zoom call with this, this guy, Russell, and his son walks up and just smacks him in the face. Daughters don't do that. <laughs> I, Daughters don't even want to yeah. be on the Zoom call. They like tiptoe in the room and they go, are you on Zoom? And it's oh, like, no. yeah, and they won't even enter the room, but the son will come in and like smack, smack you. Throw in a the ball f- at me. <laughs> The walk by just like like dancing and trying to break me up. You know, I'm like, please, you know, so I'm having to lock the door. That doesn't work because then they bang on it or they pick the lock. So it's just, you know, it's beautiful. Now, see, home. that makes sense why you come into the office. Yeah. I'd be coming into it's the office. It's not compulsiveness. It's... <laughs> well, what did we say? If it's essential to do your job, if you can't do your job at home. Please come in. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about um, the one thing it's like, indulging in moments of satisfaction Mm. in life, not being too hard on ourselves. I think there's, um, you know, in our culture where we define our worth by what we produce or our job or all these sorts of things. And now we're, you know, a lot of us are just stuck in this place where we're struggling with a crisis of identity. And, you know, what, what do you, what do you guys say to people that you just, to try to let them like just be okay with <laughs> being in court, being okay with things being still and yeah. not a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. That, well, that, I mean, that's one of the things that I have found being on the staff and actually kind of working um, alongside of you, John, is that you have a, a non-anxious presence about um, um, how things are unfolding and you bring a non-anxious presence. And I think that's been so helpful to me personally and to our staff in that then this word savor comes up for me out of that. What, what, what can I savor? Because I have the tendency, you know, just in the way that I'm hardwired to move, you know, to really go, to get a lot of stuff done. And that there's beauty in that, but there's also this kind of compulsivity to it as well. Right. And, um, and being around folks that have absolutely different gifts and different depths has been helpful to me because I think that I'm, I'm being asked to savor some things. I went on a walk with my son on Sunday, and my 17-year-old son and I talked about things that we have not talked about ever. Yeah. And it was just, I got back from that. We were about halfway through or coming back around. I said, hey, do you want to keep walking, go another loop, or do you want, he's like, oh, yeah, I'd like to go another loop. And so for two hours, this kid told me about his inner life and I was just, it was, it was like a sunrise. So yeah, I mean, I would not have had that if I was, you know, busy moving. So yeah. yeah. That's beautiful, Matt. Thanks. Well, it's, there's That's something great. about, savor is a good word. There's something about being present in the moment, finding, learning to be mm-hmm. present where you are in the moment instead mm-hmm. of wanting to be somewhere else. And the other thing about Sabbath and rest is it's the freedom from compulsion. Yeah. And I find that even on my Sabbath days, there's 
still in me these these yearnings, these things that I feel like I have to do, this email I have to return or this text message I have to return or this thing I have to finish. And so the compulsion is there. And I remember uh, some uh, one of my former professors said that it took them seven years of intentional practice to finally reach a Sabbath day and to be able to look at the dishes in the dishwasher or on the sink or the cobwebs in the corner of the house and just not be moved at all to do it. Mm. There was no compulsion. There was no angst. There was a, they could just let it go. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, what's the, the, the old story of the rabbi who, as soon as the sun sets, you know, he's in his office, he says, it is finished. Mm. Mm. It's done. It's finished. He goes home and you begin the Sabbath. And I, I hope, you know, my hope is that if we come out of this and we go right back to the same dysfunctional compulsions that we had before, maybe that's where we end today is what, what do you think, what do you, or what do you hope that our society, people, that we come out of this, that, that we're changed, that we're transformed, that we're not the same? You know, what's your dream if there's a dream, maybe that's not the right way to say it, but out of this, mm-hmm. what's your hope? And for me, it is that, that we just don't start church back up and everything goes back to exactly the way it was. I would love to see a humanity reshaped by this. Come on. Um, more loving, Come on. more forgiving, more patient, more inclusive, um, more kind and generous, yes. and, and less hard on ourselves. You know, because now we've just, we've all faced what, whatever you believe about this. This is a very uh, dangerous thing that takes mm-hmm. people's lives. Yeah. And so can we come out on the other side of this and not be the same? That's, hmm. I don't know exactly what all that looks like, but that's my hope. Can I borrow that hope? That's that's good. Yeah, that is good. I, I, I think what I would have said was r- real similar to that. The people, people come out with a sense of who they are and that who they are really is, a, is the core of their being and not what they do, mm. what they produce. And that we do have some that, you know, the first two or three weeks and all the commercials began to shift on television and all. <laughs> and uh, we're in this together and we're doing, you know, we band together and all that. I, I've wondered mm. if, if we'll still have those commercials playing, you know, when we're eight weeks into this or if we're ready to tear each other's throats. But I would hope that there would be some sense of our common humanity mm. and who we are as as people in relationship with one another and that uh, that we might sense something in this uh, in this crisis, something arises within us that has been there all along, but we've been uh, we've been oblivious to it. Mm. You know, how, you know, how do we live in that, that new thing? Yeah. I love that. I, I was, was, was wondering uh, and thinking about that word, remember uh, that when Yahweh brings uh, his people through difficult times, he has them stop and to build something, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and to say, you're going to, you're going to walk by this sometime and your kid's going to ask, what is that? Right. And that's right. going to be then a part of the way you've integrated. And we've got task force and folks that are doing amazing things about thinking about reopening and all that. And I wonder, you know, should we create a spiritual task force that says, what are the things we don't want to forget out of this? that we don't, as John said, return to just kind of normal ways. You know, should we think through a spiritual task force that says, folks, we said we weren't going to forget this. How are we doing? You know, that's good. Um, All right. 
That's like building our altar, this, the yeah. rocks. Yeah, that's right. So what is and the, Ebenezer? Yeah, yeah. No, I really like that. So you're gonna you're gonna lead that task force. I'm on it, dude. I love, can I? <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean no, that's I think, a task force I get behind. No, I think that's <laughs> I think that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's like I'm always so focused on all right the reopening and the tactical. It's like that's the stuff, though. Yeah, I mean, you'd like some monument yeah. of of remembrance of this season mm. of life. Yeah. So that we could touchstone and you walk into church like the rock at the Clemson Stadium, you know, when the football team comes in and they touch the rock. It's like that. I like that. Something that you remember that touches that moment. Yeah. And it could be something that like you had said, Jerry, all these things might be different for each of us. Right. What the Holy Spirit is working on me is not the same as working on you and John and other folks in the community. But there are these things that if um, if we allow the spirit of God to work within and even in spite of us often, that there might be something that we become that we couldn't. And what do we not want to forget about that? We want to want to let go and just say, oh, the crisis is over. I can take back this normal life, which is like so hollow in some ways without. (coughs) Um, without the spirits animating it. Yeah. Bill Curley said last week, he quoted Richard Rohr. Yeah. uh, (laughs) You know, Rohr says that the two opportunities we have for growth are great love and great crisis or great tragedy. And, and most of us uh, kind of ignore it when great love happens. So we're pushed in, we end up being pushed into these learning moments or these growth moments it through crisis or difficulty. And so I, I would just hate to see all this wasted. Yeah. You know, to see it, you know, it's been difficult. It's difficult for more difficult for some people than for others. Uh, and I hope, you know, that we don't waste that, that, we, that it doesn't just pass by and oh, all, all of a sudden we flip the switch and, and the lights are back on. Yeah, Edgar Schein doesn't have as much uh, confidence in humanity Mm-mm. as Richard Rohr does, because he says the only thing that moves us to radically change in life is the fear of survival. Mm-hmm. Mm. He said that he would like to think that the noblest yeah. parts of humanity would see that they need to change and would be motivated to change and would change, he said, right. but he hasn't found that to be, right. that, that doesn't really work in real time. Yeah. And so we've got the survival anxiety going on, whether it's you know literal or... Uh, financial or whatever else. So I'm hoping that there will be a lot. I'm hoping that there will be a lot of transformed individuals coming out of this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping really in the sense of spiritual survival, you know, and spiritual kind of thriving, uh, then, then this is the golden moment. I mean, this is the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you, uh, so uh, two more episodes of the Americans tonight, two more episodes. Probably so. Yeah, Two. probably so. Two more All right, episodes. So you got to watch uh, <laughs> Kung Fu Hustle. <laughs> this will be the show notes, Wait. folks. Yeah. Kung Fu Hustle. Kung Fu Hustle. And? I don't think I get that channel. <laughs> no, it's uh, Netflix. You get Netflix, don't you? I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, Kung Fu Hustle. And uh, make sure you uh, you also watch uh, Ip Man. Ip Man. Ip Man. Ip Man. Okay. There's like a whole series of movies. And in the third one, Eat Man uh, dukes it out in the final battle with Mike Tyson. You're serious. You've watched this stuff. Dude. What did you think I was lying? This is like pod have mercy. I can't. 
I cannot tell a lie. lie. This is like truth serum here. We're we're giving out. No, dude, I got a whole list. I'll send you a whole list of. Uh, Can I ask a question, John? Yes. How, how long have you been into kung fu movies, and and when did that start? I'm very I'm fascinated. Well, most people don't know that I am a six uh, level black belt. No, that is a lie. Uh, <laughs> no, I just uh, I've always liked the kung fu movies. Thanks for being Thanks, with guys. us. And All right. uh, we love you. Stay safe. Love you. Okay. Good to see Take you. Take care, Jerry. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. So what did you learn today? <laughs> you have now the elimination. Well, I extreme, have a lot to draw from. Extreme Kung elimination. Fu. It's extreme YouTube. elimination. Pootie shoe and pootie pie. <laughs> yeah. So we have a lot of rabbit holes to chase in YouTube now. Yeah. Who if knew? Who knew? I'm, I'm totally underutilizing... Um, the internet. <laughs> but you know what I'm going to take out of today What's is that? I'm, I'm going to try to stretch the, I don't, I'm not sure where the creative part is in mm -hmm. me, but I'm going to try to find it. Yeah. Stretch it a little bit. I think I'm going to paint something. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like one of your walls or, or <laughs> no, no, no. Like uh, they have a little canvas and they paint. Oh, that's great. They paint yeah. things. I don't know what I'm going to paint, but I'm going to paint something. I think what I'm going to take is that um, that sustained image of um, of centering myself into the orbit um, of God. That's really helpful to me, you know. And and uh, and then savoring. What do I need to savor? Yeah. What what today do I need to hang on to and savor that I might miss? Yeah, and and you know, like you said, where where are things where we build these? these little remembrances mm -hmm. how do we create things that are going to help us to remember things we don't want to forget yeah. in this season yeah i need to i need to reflect on that yeah that's yeah. a good word well i'm john stevens and i'm matt russell and this is pod have mercy <laughs>